What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer from Windy City Gridiron. I'm joined on the other line by EJ Snyder, the site's lead draft analyst. EJ, how you doing tonight? It's real football time. Yes, sir. It's not imaginary football time anymore. It's not team building time anymore. It's real football time. So I'm about as good as I get. Yeah, the even better news is that we get to kick off the season on a Thursday night, which compresses our time to be able to try to get this podcast out to everybody. But it does mean that we get real football sooner than 30 other you know, team franchises. So uh, that's, that's a good thing in my book. I'm all for it. I've waited long enough and waiting three more days. I'm not going to say it would kill me, but it would definitely hurt. Well, and another thing is that we don't have to wait any longer to crack open this beer gift that we got, that we both got. So uh, listener Michael Bredfelt, hopefully I'm saying that name right, uh, sent along a couple beers to us, Blackberry Cobbler from Southern Grist Brewing Company. And this thing has been chilling in my fridge downstairs since I got it and just beckoning a call. But I no, 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 we got to wait for the, for the Packers game preview. This is when we have to debut it. So very exciting to crack this one open. I believe you have one as well. I do, and it's been sitting in my fridge, and I am equally excited and thankful to Michael. Um, he had mentioned uh, in a Twitter exchange that this was his favorite beer, and we said, that's great, but you know, we're not in Tennessee, so we're not going to get any. And he said, no, no, <laughs> I'll mail you some. <laughs> we were both like, okay. Um, yeah, hit it. Uh, and it came, actually uh, had it mailed to work, and uh, that was great because I was not having the best day at work. And somebody said, oh, there's a package for you in the mailroom. And I was like, what? I didn't – oh, <laughs> it's beer. <laughs> so made a, made a bad day better, and it's about to do that again. I'm, I'm super excited, so let's get these things open. Yes, let's do it. So, oh, I just got uh, I just got some on the on the pot filter. So I'm going to be smelling the blackberry cobbler for a while. Oh yes, you will. I just put my nose down to it. That is uh, oh, that's, that's good. fragrant. That's, that's fragrant. excellent. <laughs> you sound, you sound a little surprised. No, no, well, I mean, it's just it's. Uh, so if if you guys can hear it in my voice, I'm I'm recovering from a cold. I was in Texas last week, and I somehow caught a cold in 100 degree heat in Texas, but. Um, I'm, I'm on the mend. I think I'm almost over it. And so I, but I haven't really been tasting much and this really popped, uh, the label, I will say it says, keep cold, drink fresh, serve a la mode, which Ah, I do not have vanilla ice cream for this episode, but I, I, I'm going to think that they're being serious. And so I will actually go out. Yeah. I'm going to go out and get some vanilla ice cream and put with uh, the, the second one I have. Yeah, I'm absolutely going to do that, and my wife is as well, and that's pretty notable because um, my wife is not a big beer drinker, 
Uh, she drinks ciders and uh, some wine occasionally. She will try beers that I have, but she's not certainly not beer beer first. And saw this and went, "That sounds good. I'm going to do that. Like, let's split a can and put it over some ice cream." So we're absolutely going to do that as well. It sounds tremendous. And after having had my first sip of it, I can see how that would be really, really tasty. So I'm equally excited about that. Yeah, I'm in on this. This is fantastic. So Michael was not lying. This is a good. This is a good beer. Yep, I would agree. I'm not even a huge fruit beer fan. I, I like a little less fruit in my beer as as a rule. This is a fruit-based beer, and you can absolutely taste it and smell it. Um, but I'm with you. It's not overpowering. It's fairly well balanced. It keeps the flavor. Um, it's obviously there. I mean, like you said, you could taste it even with a cold. But uh, it's not um, – a lot of them I just find are out of whack. There's too too much of the flavor, or it's not balanced, or it's way too sweet, which I really don't like in beers. But this is this is very nice. Yeah, I got that tartness from the blackberries, so really helps even it out a little bit. Well, all right, so um, we're gonna. This is our first game preview, so this is breaking new ground for us. This is the first time we've gone into a season doing this podcast, and so we're still playing with the format a little bit, but we've got some things lined up. Um, I am planning on interviewing a Packers contributor. Kind of like the five questions piece that I do, that I do uh, for the site. Uh, we were not able to connect on Tuesday night. We have something set up for Wednesday night, so hopefully we're able to do that. Splice that at the end. Uh, so if you're listening to this, hopefully there's there's a Packers interview uh, at the end. But EJ and I are going to go through uh, the preview. I've got some things prepped. We're going to go through keys to success, things that maybe we fear a little bit or that make us pause about this game. And then finally, why we think the Bears will win or lose. But I think we're both on board with winning this one. And then we'll get you out of here. So hopefully you'll have a chance to, to listen to this on the way to work, on the way from home, uh, to the bar, wherever you're going to enjoy the Bears setting up for a 1-0 victory party. So, Bears versus Packers. All time. The Packers own the record of 96-94-6. and So they have a two-game lead. In the all-time series, it is one and one in the playoffs. So, if you count the playoff games, Thursday will mark the 199th meeting between these two teams. As you might guess, that is the most between two NFL franchises. Uh, this is also the most by a Bears opponent. Next up is the Lions, 178. So, played the Lions quite a bit as well. That record against the Lions is quite good we'll get to that when we when we play the Lions so I just wanted to go through both teams what they did in 2018 because I think I don't, I don't know if you feel this way EJ but the narrative leading up to this game was that these are two equivalent teams coming into this even the line the betting line is three points for the Bears on Thursday which if you have been around betting lines at all you know that Three points is usually given to the home team as uh, a home field advantage. So, so the odds makers are basically saying that this game is even up, and I don't see it that way. So let's let's just recap the 2018 season. Bears are 12 and four under first year coach Matt Nagy. They return all but three starters with some possible upgrades. Uh, we've talked at length about those. Ha ha, Clinton Dix uh, will be replacing Adrian Amos. Clinton Dix, potentially more of a playmaker than Amos. Amos did not make a lot of plays. He was a very solid safety. I think we both liked him as a solid player, but HaHa brings a an element that certainly 
uh, appears to have a little bit more playmaking ability and potentially frees up Eddie Jackson to make more plays because he can play the deep end a little better. Daniels and Whitehair flopping. We both think that that's a big upgrade, or at least an upgrade. I think it's a big upgrade. Do you think it's a at least a marginal upgrade? Kyle Long, fully healthy. That is a big upgrade. Uh, coming into this year, fully healthy, that's going to just pay huge dividends for that line. So overall, the offensive line is going to be better. Uh, Mack had a full camp and coming in with full health. That's that's an upgrade from the start of last year. In that same vein, Roquan had a full camp and a full year under his belt, so he's going to be more advanced than he was in the first game of last year. And overall, I think this team is just very healthy uh, coming into the year. Matt Nagy kind of hit him a little bit in the preseason, not a little bit, a lot bit. Um, <laughs> and they, I think that paid off. They're, they're coming in very healthy. They don't have any major issues besides uh, maybe some Trey Burton issues. But... Otherwise, this team is really ready to go, and they seem like they're chomping at the bit. What do you think about that? Anything to add on the major points that we've covered over the over the course of the offseason? Well, for the Bears, no. Uh, I believe you're right that the defense certainly, with both Mack and Roquan, who are premier players at both of their levels, are coming in with a much, much different footing into 2019 than they did into 2018 for, for different reasons. But the result, I think, is going to be the same. Um, seeing both of those guys at camp, we talked about Mac uh, almost ad nauseum because he you just couldn't not do that. He, he stood out every day. He made everybody look like he was playing at a different level, whether they were in shells or pads or combo sessions, individual drills. He, he was just walking by people. It was very hard to ignore. Roquan at the same time was really, really impressive. Um, his range, which was on display before the draft at Georgia, um, started to really blossom in the second half of last year, but it's there from the, from the crack from the get go this year, he was, you know, out on, I remember one play at training camp where he was out on the periphery and sort of met up with Tariq Cohen after sort of like a wheel route and just gave him a little tap. I think it was the first day in shells they couldn't hit. And it was very much him just saying, no, I'm out here. I got you. I'm, (laughs) I'm fast enough for that. And it looked I don't want to say it looked easy because it was definitely an effort play, but there are very few play, very few players in the NFL that could have made that play at all. And he did it with easily enough space to spare that if that was a tackling environment, that was going to be the end of, of Tariq's run. So it's going to be really cool to see those guys flash. It's going to see cool, to, uh, very cool to see how Pagano uses both of them. He is going to change that up a little bit from how Fangio did it. I think we're both positive about those those changes, those additions. So in terms of the bears, the health can't be understated. The Packers injury list came out this week. Doesn't look that good. Um, in terms of folks being seriously injured, there's not that many, but there's, there's a lot of dings. A lot of those will disappear as we get towards, towards game time, but still certainly more than the bears had. So, and, and some deeper issues in the Packers. We'll talk about that, um, a little bit, but in terms of the bears, they come into this game in a very, I think a very positive, very good, a very solid position. Yeah, let's let's flip over to the Packers. So the Packers were six nine and one last year. Let me repeat that. The Packers were six nine and one last year. They were not a very good football team last year. They fired their head coach, Mike McCarthy, who's been there a very long time. They hired Matt LaFleur, who I I don't know, I think he met Sean McVay once. I think that's why he got hired. And so it's a common way to get hired these days. Yeah, I, I mean, God, I just got to like, I got to go meet that guy, see if I can get my break. But <clears throat> Lafleur, I, I think, I think it's 
a nice way to say it is that he's unproven. Uh, his last year in Tennessee as their offensive coordinator, if you watched any Tennessee Titans games, which I, I did, <laughs> I, I don't know why. <laughs> I'm sorry. I watched, I watched a number of them, and that's not an inspiring offense. And so I'm not quite sure exactly the he didn't get hired for the resume of what was on the field uh but certainly just the connections that he's made maybe he'll be a good coach i mean i'm not i'm certainly not writing that off but this is not like a super impressive resume um first time in aaron Rodgers' career that he has changed systems he came in and have has always been working with mike mccarthy so this is the first time in his career now think back to all of the times that you've seen quarterbacks under a new coordinator, even good coordinators, and it takes some time to adapt. And I know Aaron Rodgers is a really good player. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. But Matt Ryan, who won an MVP working with uh, Kyle Shanahan, was not good for that first year under Kyle Shanahan. It took a lot of time for him to learn that system. And Matt Ryan's a smart guy. And I just think that we can't pass that idea up that this is going to take at least a little bit of time for Rodgers to, and, and LaFleur to connect here. Uh, a lot of moving parts on defense. They let go of that guy with the long hair. Um, they let go of Mike Daniels. They brought in a couple big free agent acquisitions and Preston Smith, Zedarius Smith, and, of course, Adrian Amos. Um, so that's I, I think that makes them a better defense. But, you know, there's a lot of moving parts, and sometimes that takes a little time. Uh, receivers behind Devontae Adams, I think, are interesting, but they're they're really unproven. And so th- there's a lot of pieces of this roster that I'm not quite sure of. I've talked about it on this podcast. I think this team might take this year to figure things out, and I think this team actually might find itself in fourth place when it's all said and done. So I'm not I'm not in love with this particular iteration of the Packers. We'll put it. I'm never in love with the Packers, but I just, I don't really, I don't buy this one. I'm not, this isn't like striking fear in my heart. It's certainly not something where I think that they should be put on equal footing to the Bears. What do you think about this Packers team? It's an interesting team in a lot of ways. Uh, If you were asking me if I thought it was the equal to the Bears team, either in terms of coaching, and I don't necessarily mean coaching talent, because as you said, you know, Matt LaFleur is unproven. That doesn't mean he's good or bad. That means he's unproven. Might he turn out to be very good? Yes, he might. But that also, the time to adjust is a factor that gets thrown around kind of as a two-sided coin, depending on which side of the argument you want to prove, right? Uh, if it's a new coach uh, of a team you don't like, you say, hey, you know, it's going to take them a while to adapt, which is true. It usually does, good team or bad team, but uh, it's often used by fans of a team in a defense of somebody like Mike McCarthy leaving who had really kind of staled out and wasn't going anywhere. And they're saying, well, we've hired the Paul McCarthy, so everything's going to be better because we have this new, fresh, young head coach and he's going to run a modern offense, so it's going to be better. The answer is, yeah, it probably will be towards the end of the year when they learn each other's tendencies, they get used to each other. We saw this with Matt Nagy last year. He had a good year, great year, one coach of the year, went 12-4 and four, um, with essentially a rookie quarterback. But in the beginning of the year, it was not smooth. Uh, it went it went pretty rough for the first three or four weeks. And I'd say we're going to see at least that, given both the level of Packers talent and the shift uh, to Rodgers, which is he's never had to shift. You're right. He's a smart guy. 
He's very, very talented, but this is his first major shift. So saying that that's not going to take any time, and the same thing on the defensive side of the ball, that many new parts, that many new players, yes, more talented on paper, certainly, I think. Uh, but how are they going to play together? How are they going to gel? How are they going to understand where the other guy is? They've been doing it at best since OTAs, uh, and in some cases, you know, later than that. So it's going to take a bit, I think, and I'm not sure they're going to hit the field running. Now, they have enough talent to make some plays individually both on both sides of the ball, as you noted. But overall, if you were asking me about my confidence level in this team, I would say middle of the pack or lower end of the pack in the division and they would have to have a lot of things that don't seem very likely to me fall the right way to do any better than that packers middle of the pack to lower the pack yeah okay, well gotcha. you know there you go um you know i, I want to just kind of stick with that point though kevin clark of the ringer and robert mays you know they they run a podcast and i listen to a lot and they talk about this idea of at some point, you're going to hire all these all these teams chasing these young offensive coaches, and yep. at some point, you're going to hire the tenth best or twelfth best, and at some point, that's not going to be good enough, right? And so, I it, we don't know. Maybe Matt Lafleur is the best of the bunch. Maybe he's going to be even better than McVeigh or Shanahan or Nagy or whatever. He's unproven. We don't know. But at some point, there is a risk that you're just you're, you're running at the end of the pool. And they were talking about it being, hey, we really like what the Broncos did because they took. Vic Fangio, which is kind of going counter to what everybody else is doing and saying, we're going to take the best defensive coach out here and we're going to try to have him stop these offenses. And so I th- when they talked about that, the first thing that came to mind was the Packers hiring Lafleur, and that like, is this guy like just like the 15th guy and like, he's just not going to be very good or is he, are they going to get lucky and hit Pater? I don't know, but you know, we'll see that. And that's, to me, that's just a lot of question marks with this team. And that's why I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not full of, of fear of this, of this squad right now. So. Especially not early in the season because the likelihood that it gels completely again, large changes on both sides of the ball. This isn't like they kept the same offensive coordinator and the same offensive players for the most part and just had major changes on defense. It, you know, major changes in philosophy and coaching on the offensive side, major changes on the personnel and defensive side. It is quite a bit of a makeover, especially like you mentioned, moving on from Matthews and Daniels, some, some sort of key core pieces that they've relied on for quite a few years now. And so you got changes on both sides of the ball. The idea that they're going to mesh at the same time early in the season, the odds say mm, it's possible, but it's highly unlikely. Yeah, and with a first-year head coach being able to orchestrate that, it would be very impressive. So um, Agreed. That's where I'm at. Okay, so let's get to our keys to success. So these are the things that we think uh, the Bears need to do to be able to be successful on Thursday night. So my first one is just pressure early and often. I want to see Chuck Pagano and what he can bring to just really bother Aaron Rodgers in the pocket. I want to see him bring Eddie Jackson. I want to see him bring Roquan Smith. I want to see him I want to see what he does does to try to get Mac with a free rush or with a with an advantageous matchup. I want Rodgers uncomfortable from the start. And I think that if they can get him uncomfortable, he's going to throw the ball away which he led the league in last year, um, so that he wasn't forcing anything, any bad throws, which is good for him. He had a very low interception rate. But I think just forcing a lot of throwaways and getting into Rodgers' grill is going to just put him in the mood like, okay, nothing's changed. Like, this this team, this team's really good, and 
we're going to have to abandon this this game plan. And so I, I want to see them just throw the game plan away early because of a lot of pressure. What's your first key? Well, I'll, I'll tack on to yours, and it's a great strategy because Rodgers has in the past, when that's happened early, he's tended to get frustrated. Um, it, I almost want to say that it angers him. Yes, when absolutely. he gets pushed that far out of his comfort zone. And if he takes a couple of heavy hits early and sees, like you said, some really interesting looks, because Pagano's obviously, just like every other coach in the league, hasn't rolled everything out in the preseason. And if Pagano comes up with some exotic blitz looks, manages to disguise things, and gets really any of their talented rushers, Hicks, uh, you know, Goldman can rush uh, and probably will. We're going to see Eddie Jackson close to the line, and he's going to both fake and rush. Rodgers is going to have to be on his game to pick all that stuff up. And if he doesn't, and it happens early, I don't want to say he goes in the tank, because it's hard to say that about a player like Rodgers of his caliber, but he clearly gets frustrated, and that's a good thing for the Bears if it happens early. So I like I like that one a lot. Um, my first key is that the Bears have to play their own game. There's a lot of pressure uh, around this team. It's generally positive pressure. Most people think they're going to do very well. The city is certainly behind them, but... Look, it's the start of the NFL's 100th season between the two franchises that have met the most. It's a marquee matchup, no matter how you feel about the Packers' chances. Um, If Aaron Rodgers is starting for the Packers, they have a chance. It's Packers-Bears in Chicago under the lights. I just don't want that moment to feel too big for them. I want them to stay with their game plan. Uh, Even if it doesn't work uh, initially, I want to see him sort of not move away from things as quickly as they did uh, last year. And I think Nagy's going to have a much better feel for that. And obviously Mitch has a much better command of the offense. So I just want to see him kind of play their game because I think if they play their game, they can really dictate on both sides of the ball to the Packers. And I would hate to see them get reactive too quickly. Now I want them to make adjustments. That's what all good teams do. But in the beginning of the game, I'd like to see them kind of hold true, fire through that script with confidence and, and just say, Hey, this is the game we're going to play. And you guys, you visitors are going to have to react to this. Yeah, it's a great point. And I think that actually leads into my second key to success, which is I really want to see Trubisky to Robinson just click early and often. I think he's going to be the focal point in, in this passing game, in my opinion. And I want them to establish that early and I want them to make it known that this, this guy's going to tear up the league this year. And so I, I think that he's got a good advantage here in this in this game, and I don't want if they you know the, like you said, if the first pass doesn't go the the way they want it to, you know, it's an incompletion or whatever, don't abandon it. Like go back to him because it was working really well in camp. They obviously want to feature him in the passing game, and I'm really excited to see what that looks like. Um, I you know we we've talked about it a little bit, 1,200 yards for Robinson. I, it was my guess. I think you were somewhere around there as well, uh, at least over a thousand. So let's let's get it off on the right foot. Let's let's establish it on national television that this is going to be a connection that people are going to start talking about. Did you see his interview today? On a related note, I have not. Okay, there's an interview with him today, locker room interview, just you know, typical. Uh, getting ready for the game, kind of fluff, whatever. But they're really asking about. Okay, lights are coming on. It's for real. Like, how you feel about that? You know, pretty pretty standard right down the middle questions, but it's not what he said because the answers to those questions are always a bit canned. It was the way he said them. He seems so locked in and not in a hyped way. 
he is just, in my opinion, flat ready to do what we saw him do at camp. He's expecting to do it. It just looks like you couldn't push him off that line with a with a with an ox, right? He's just like, I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna do my job, I'm gonna I'm gonna play at a very high level, the level I used to be at. I'm sure of it. Uh, he just seems like uh, I'll say healthily confident in all the right ways. It doesn't seem egotistical. It doesn't seem like he's reaching or trying to pump himself up. He is just flat ready to play football at a very high level. And I think that's that's just, it should be terribly exciting for Bears fans. It's been a little while since we had domination at that true number one wide receiver spot um, since the sort of Brandon Marshall heyday when he arrived and just sort of caught everything thrown his way. And I think Robinson uh, may not see that many balls, that much focus, because that relationship between Cutler and Marshall was was a little off-kilter in terms of yeah, offensive right. balance. But uh, I think we're going to see the balls that go Robinson's way get caught more than we don't um with with regularity so i'm excited about that um point two for me is the secondary versus the wide receivers um one of their promising wide receivers is injured uh as you mentioned the depth behind adams is not guys that casual fans could roll off that doesn't uh necessarily mean that they're bad um but what it does mean is I really think if you sort of match down the line, like which receiver is going to be on, on which defensive back, uh, pretty quickly you get to the fact that, um, you know, <laughs> quite frankly, right after Adams, those matchups fall in favor of the Bears uh, pretty strongly. And uh, to back that up, the other pass catchers, because we lumped the two together when we talked about them on Bears over Bears, but the tight ends aren't. Um, mind-blowing either right they've got mercedes lewis who's in his 14th year that makes me feel extremely old yeah i remember seeing him coming out of ucla um uh robert tanyan who was a bit of a um phenom out of indiana state a couple of years ago as as an athlete kind of reminded me of a of a ben broniker profile guy with a a ton of production in a smaller school indiana state and you know a lot of physical measurables but you know hasn't has exactly broken out. And then Jimmy Graham, who uh, is in his 10th season out of Miami and um, is also, much like I talked about Rodgers, um, uh, very familiar with him and his game from his time in Seattle, uh, one of the guys that can get frustrated really uh, early by pressure, especially physical pressure in his face. He's got that basketball player background, and he likes to likes to be free to move. And if uh, a, a really physical secondary gets on him, he can go in the tank pretty quickly. So there's not a lot of backup in the tight end core uh, to their wide receiver core, which has names like, oh, Darius Shepard, Jake Cromerow, uh, Trevor Davis, Geronimo Allison, who's a guy I remember scouting out of Illinois, uh, made a couple big catches, but you know might be slightly underrated, but that's just not a lot of firepower. So I think the Bears secondary, especially with the pressure we're anticipating the front seven is going to get, are going to have um, – the benefit of those matchups against a sort of overman pass catching core. And if, you know, turnovers are usually a key to an NFL game. And if there's a couple early, whether it's, you know, tip pass that gets picked or, you know, strip sack fumble, that kind of thing, uh, or just an early interception where Rogers is pressured into a bad decision and, and the DB flat out beats the pass catcher he's on that, in a home environment that is hyped up in the way that Chicago is going to be lit on Thursday could just be 
very hard to turn around momentum wise. Yeah, I think you're referring to Equiminius St. Brown. Yeah, good old EQB. Yeah. He's on he's on the IR. Jay Sternberger yeah. also on the IR. Yeah, the most promising tight end on the roster, sure. And I believe you're also referring to Marcus Valdez Scantling. Uh, yeah, Valdez Scantling's listed uh, on their injury report. He is listed on their active roster, but um, I really like Valdez Scantling. He's got a USF South Florida who I sort of grabbed as a sleeper, mostly because of his size, but also because he's a guy that improved every year. He's six four, two oh six. Um, in his second year, he's twenty four years old. Uh, has a ton of talent. Um, but is coming in a little dinged up. And again, the focus is going to be on stopping Adams, who is is quite accomplished. And after that, I really look at who the Bears are fielding on defense and feel like those guys' athletic capability and resume sort of greatly outpaces what the Packers are going to be able to field for for pass catchers. And this is one of those times where we might want to mention that the Bears' wide receiver core is much more attractive than the Packers'. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. I think anybody that says the Packers wide receiver core as it stands right now in its current sort of healthy or non-healthy configuration is anywhere in the stratosphere of the Bears receiving core isn't looking at things objectively or clearly. And that's not Bears homerism. That's if you look at what the Bears have stacked up talent wise, I think it pretty clearly outpaces what the Packers have for pass catchers. All right. My last key to success I want to see the special teams units. I'm not just talking about kicking. Obviously, I want to see Panero make a few kicks. But I want to see what these kick return units look like. I want to see if, you know, Cohen still has juice in the punt return game. I have no doubt that he does. But I want to see what those look like. Maybe he can break one. Maybe Patterson can break one in the kick return game. But I really want to see these coverage units and make sure that they're locking things down. They, <laughs> I think that was a real issue last year. I know they didn't look great in the preseason either, but... I don't put a lot of stock in the preseason. You've got the core special teamers now that you know are going to be out there. Will those guys be able to be successful on teams? Will they be able to cover kicks? Well, that's what I want to see, and I think that's a big key to, to this game. Make Rodgers earn every yard. Don't give him any free field position. Yeah, he certainly that's not a recipe for success, giving uh, Rodgers any advantage is not typically something that works out very well for the opposing team. But you put that in keys for success. I was going to put that in things to fear. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think for the very same reasons, it's not about um, – it, it does come down to Pinero. Look, it, you know, if he makes a big kick under the lights, there's going to be a huge sigh of relief. If he misses a big kick under the lights, there's going to be a, a lot of question about how the Bears ran their search and, and are they done and, and everything else. And, you know, it's going to be magnified on a national stage. I, I can't think of a much bigger environment to kick in in week one. Um, again, all the things we mentioned, kickoff of the 100th year, uh, Bears Packers, you know, Thursday under the lights. Like there's just – there isn't much more national attention you could focus on this. And, and he's going to have to make those kicks. But what I worry about more really is those coverage teams, both punt coverage teams and kickoff coverage teams because we haven't seen a lot from them. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's one of the things I have to fear. But uh, my last key for success is uh, Matt Nagy just keeping the gas pressed Mm -hmm. i I think he's going to get an early advantage i think his team um and his game plan is set up to do that i think the rosters are in his favor as well i think he's probably going to get an early break whether that's a turnover whether that's a big stop whether it's frustrating aaron Rodgers or hitting him or digging him up like there's going to be something happens early in the game where the bears can kind of 
again, keep their foot on the gas, move in for that kill shot, add a, add a touchdown where maybe you thought they were supposed to get a field goal. Um, and, you know, not put the game out of reach, but really start to tilt the table in their favor. And once they do that, I want to see both the offense and the defense, Pagano and Nagy, really keep their foot on the gas, put pressure on the Packers, get the crowd into just a frothing, raging mess, and just finish it that way. I don't want to see any lag in the middle. If they get any advantage, I want to see them press it and press it as hard as they can. So here's here's a funny thing, is that my third thing to fear was that uh, Nagy doesn't keep the foot on the gas. <laughs> and they let Rogers back into it because... And one more time, listeners, we do not talk about these things beforehand <laughs> uh, because we think it makes a better podcast. But we end up on a lot of them the same way anyway, so take from that what you will. So that that's interesting, and I agree with you. I think it's a huge key to the game. I, you have to hope that he's learned lessons from last year. There were a couple times I think that they could have put games away and they, they just didn't. Uh, and I, I think that takes a little time as a, as a head coach to learn those those things. And we talked about that a little bit too. We think that Matt Nagy is going to be a better coach than he was last year. Well, he was the coach of the year last year. You think he's going to be better? Yeah, he, it's, that's a, just an award. He's going to grow as a coach. He's going to learn more. He's going to uh, not make the same mistakes over and over. He's going he's gonna to learn from those past mistakes. And he's, he's just going to be a better coach. So I at least that's my hope. And so uh, I'd like to see that happen as well. Like you get out to a lead, just pull it on and it gets just crazy if if we're lucky enough to get to that position where it's six scores then yeah okay yeah pull off but don't wait 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 did you just say pull off on the packers on opening night in chicago okay so here's the thing you know when i played and you know we would blow on a team that was overmatched there's nothing better than like unhooking the shoulder pads on the sidelines and letting the backups go in and, and I, I'd love to see that, but I would tell them, like, hey, man, <laughs> book your film, dig your teeth in. This is your chance. That team is reeling. I want to see our twos destroy them. Like, I I would oh, tell yeah. those guys to just, you know, absolutely just access to the grindstone. Let's go. Do not let up. Uh, kind of like um, – uh, that's kind of like Vikings game 17 yeah. last year, you know, in the second yeah. half, they pulled starters and second team was still whipping them up and down the field. So, yeah, I would love to see that like nothing. Well, I don't want to say nothing could make me happier, but almost nothing could make me happier than the bears grinding the Packers into dust in a completely sort of fair, uh, non influenced by the officials kind of game where it was just very, very clear at the end of the football game, like which team wanted to keep playing and which team was ready to take the bus ride. 100%. And I will go on record to say, I'll take help from the refs too. That's fine. <laughs> Any advantage. you? I have. don't care when it's Packers week. I don't care. Yeah. Um, all right, so we basically covered our three keys to success, and we revealed one of the things to fear. So let's get those, those two other things to fear. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. So my first one is just, 
Aaron Rodgers' ability to ad lib, and yep. I'm not necessarily worried about the Matt Lafleur game plan beating mm-hmm. this Bears game plan. I'm worried about plays breaking down and Rodgers being able to flush out of the pocket, flick his wrist, and throw it 60 yards downfield to someone who's got a step. And that that's that's his greatness is that his ability to uh, throw on the run. He's, he's kind of like a Mahomes, maybe not with the magician arm angles, but he's able to flick the ball downfield. He's deadly accurate. Um, and when he can get out in space like that and allow his receivers to run that uh, scramble route, he's really dangerous. And I, this is the thing that drives me nuts is getting beat like that. And so that's, that's my number one thing to fear is don't let that guy out of the pocket. Yep. <laughs> That's right. That's my number one thing to fear. Yeah, you got it too? Okay. That's that yeah. literally I just put Aaron Rodgers. And right. It's, it's it's all of what he can do. I mean, we are watching a Hall of Fame player. Uh for all the reasons you said. It's as frustrating for all the reasons you said. If he wasn't so good, if he didn't do things that are I, I don't want to say undoable, but um very unlikely to be done by other people with regularity, it wouldn't be as frustrating as it is. Because he is a transcendent talent. There is, there's no denying that. I don't care what side of this rivalry you're on. If you don't appreciate Aaron Rodgers' talent to play football, you just, you're just blinded by the colors and hate. Like, I get that. But it's not fair. Like, that guy is a tremendous football player. And if he was on your team, you would love him to death. But he's one of those guys that's so good. You probably love to watch him play secretly. You'll never admit it as a Bears fan. But... He is that guy, and it is totally possible that he could beat this team as stacked as it is in the favor of the Bears or the way we think it's stacked in the favor of the Bears. If he gets out and throws a couple of those balls, and you know you you highlighted one type of those, um, we saw him do it on one leg last year when he got massacred. He was making 50 and 60-yard throws on one leg. He was limping around, couldn't plant, and was still ripping the ball. 55, 60 yards on a line and hitting guys in the numbers. And anybody that can do that, I don't want to say they're impossible to defend, but they can absolutely beat you on a single given throw. Right. Yeah, we've seen that over the years. That single yeah, given throw. Yeah, over and over again. It's it's not yeah. a fluke. And that's that's what makes it scary. That's what makes it great. Um certainly doesn't make it great when he's playing your team. Uh but it is possible, and it was absolutely my number one, is just plain old Aaron Rodgers. If, if Aaron Rodgers decides to, to do his own thing and, and hits a couple of those, especially early, uh, it's going to take the crowd out of it, absolutely. It's going to be very deflating, and he could, he could just ride that horse and they could milk it. I don't think that's going to happen, but it is absolutely possible. I can see a way to it happening for Here, sure. Here's the flip side of that is that it's so satisfying to see that little Aaron Rodgers helmet toss or the throwing the tablet when he's frustrated or, you know, throwing like these, these shows of emotion because he, he, he's frustrated. And, you know, particularly that one where they flash the score, the final score of the, you know, bears 17 Packers 13 or whatever it was um, with the, with the helmet throw. Those are that much more satisfying because he's a very good player. Like if he was Matt Stafford, you'd be like, oh, that's kind of funny and like not care. <laughs> right. Like Matt Stafford's fine. If it was Kirk Cousins, you'd be like, oh, that's funny. He seems like kind of a, you know, whatever. But like you like that. Yeah. You like yeah, 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 yeah. that. You yes, know, Kirk. Like, eh, I do okay. like that. Yeah, whatever. But like yeah. you wouldn't gain the same satisfaction because 
they're not no. on that physical level. No. So. Beating beating worthy foes is is satisfying for that reason is because they it's the same reason that you know comic book movies work is is you need to have a legit bad guy if you have a if you have a bad guy that's just a sort of paper tiger and goes down easily there there's no threat there there you know the dominance of the superhero was was absolutely assured and if you have somebody that has caused you some mortal wounds over the years and you best him uh, or them I should say it is still a team game he's got to have somebody catch those balls he throws downfield um but that that is absolutely uh, a different type of satisfaction than than rolling over a bunch of patsies and and whooping them by you know fifty five to six. Yeah, that's kind of the big bad, right? He's the big bad of the of the division. You bet. So knocking you bet. Him down There's a reason. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I got one more thing. I think you got one more, and this one's a little bit tongue in cheek, but I'm going to say it anyway. So uh, Bakhtiari and that offensive line is able to hold without repercussions. Oh, I yes. Absolutely. I didn't have that hate, one, but it's excellent. hate watching this offensive line get away yes. with textbook holding. And what I mean is, and, I, and a lot of Bears fans understand this, but I'm just going to explain it you know, here one time. Bakhtiari has this technique where he reaches over the, the, the outside of the shoulders and latches on and doesn't allow the guy to move. You're, and people, oh, offensive linemen hold every, every play. Offensive linemen can get into your chest plate and grab, and they can hold, if you want to call it that, but they're not allowed to hold your progress on outside of that, of that area of your chest plate. Somehow, Bakhtiari and that uh, Packers offensive line, their offensive line coach, have taught this technique, and they have gotten away with it for years where they're able to I guess, legally, illegally hold players. And if that slows down our our pass rush and we're not able to draw at least a few pass, uh, you know, holding penalties to, to slow down that, that passing game, that's going to really frustrate me because those are the kinds of things that can be that you don't want to give Rodgers extra time, and those are the kinds of things that can be the difference between uh, one of those scoring strikes and getting off the field on third down. So I'd really like to see that balance out this year. I'd really like to see them get called for that early and Bakhtiari have to play guys like Max straight up because I like our chances if they have to play him straight up. Yeah, I'm thinking of that little, um, if you didn't see it, the little holding collage <laughs> of of max rushes last year and many of those featured the packers the packers line bakhtiari is one of them and it is it is very frustrating and you know it's not unlike the nba and stars get calls right nba um the the nhl like stars get calls and let's let's face it aaron Rodgers is a star and they they don't want him getting hurt they don't want him out of the league it's not good for football and i would say that even as a bears fan and I think in part, whether it's purposeful or not, there is that bias to say, hey, you know, we want to make sure this guy stays upright. And so we're just clearly not going to call what are blatant holds in a lot of cases. When you look at it, you you stated the rule correctly. You can't get outside the frame. Um, They've made up some stupid name for it, the the lobster claw or some. So I think that's a different block. That's when the guy gets by you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's a hold. 100%. You can call it whatever you want. That's clearly a hold. Like, if you watch that Mac compilation from last year that somebody put together, I can't remember, unfortunately, who it was. But it was it was a bunch of Max rushes where he was absolutely getting mugged. These are one-on-one rushes, and, and very few people can keep with Khalil Mack one-on-one, and so they have to do something. And it was a collage of all the things that they were doing. And most of it is just flat-out hugging, dragging, bending his head backwards with their arm around their neck. I mean, it, it's just it was really gratuitous and the Packers are, you know, some of the worst offenders and I'm with you. I would love to see that called. Do I have any faith that that will be called because it's still Aaron Rodgers? I don't have a ton. I think maybe the best chance for the bears here is to completely blow out the Packers and have the league have to sort of uh, adjust the expectation that they're going to get relegated. They're they're not going to be in the top tier of teams this year. It's going to be a, a growing year and adjusting year. And maybe they get a few less of those calls as you go on because, you know, teams that have four, five, six wins don't typically get those calls. So maybe that will be the tipping point. Um, but, yeah, I didn't have that one down. I should have. Uh, it's a great point, and I'm with you, I hope. Well, let me let me just add to that just could, real quick, is yeah. that you say stars get calls, but it's star quarterbacks get calls. Because yes. Mac is no, a star. Agree. He's a top-five yes. player. No, I mean, he's a, I, he's I a top-two defensive player, right? And he did not get any of those calls last year. I don't think yeah, he got very a few defensive – I don't think he got an offensive holding call against him last year. I think someone was talking about that. Maybe that's maybe that's just off, and I just I heard bad information. I, and I, I think I remember true. getting a couple, okay. but he uh, but should have had like way more than, than what more he had. Of that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so there, there's almost like a, a negative feedback loop there. Like he's yeah. so good that like it's got to be like tackling him before we'll call it because yeah, you know, and you even gotta, if it like, is, they're it still out. just skipping it. And right. there were some there were some bad ones. I mean, if you saw somebody do that to somebody else in the street, like <laughs> you'd step back yeah. and be like, Holy cow, that guy is kicking that guy's butt. Um, and you know, yeah, it's football, it's physical and whatever, but literally when you have your elbow wrapped around somebody's neck and you're bending them over backwards, like, yeah, sorry, that's a hold like, uh, in, in any league. And he didn't get the call. So it's, it's frustrating certainly as a fan, um, of a certain team, but also just as a fan of football, like that's, that's not good, clean football. All right. What's your last one? Uh, my last one. So I have Aaron Rodgers. I have the worry about special teams. Um, and I, mm, I debated this a little bit, uh, but it's more, this one's more on the bear side and it's, um, you know, as much as we want to see Mitch succeed, this is as bright, uh, bright a stage. And if he if he falters, uh, especially early to some bad mistakes, something like a pick six, uh, I want to make sure that that he bucks up and continues to play. I think he will. I think he has that attitude. But um, I, I just fear this from the national narrative standpoint more than anything else, more than a win or a loss, more than uh, whatever else. If it happens on this stage to the Packers opening night, we're going to hear it's more of the same. And a lot of those national analysts we know are just going to turn off and kind of not watch the Bears and not pay attention. And they're going to be even harder to move off that very fixed position that we've heard all season of, you know, the Bears are never going to go anywhere until they get a quarterback. And it could be it could be as little as one play. And so I want Mitch to stay away from those plays. Um generally hopefully for the whole game but certainly early because if 
the game turns early on a play like that where it's a, a clear misread or just, you know, you know, not a great play. Uh, there's too much focus on quarterbacks. We all know that. But the bottom line is it's going to make that narrative continue. And man, do I want to see that narrative die? So, uh, you know, biggest worry is is a play that Mitch is uh, intimately involved with early early in the game turning very negatively uh, against the Bears, putting them in a hole. I just, I, even if they play neutral through the first half, I'd be fine with that. I just want to avoid the big mistake on the big stage early. Right. No, that's an excellent, excellent point. I, I have to agree with that. Uh, particularly since I'm rolling with him in one of my fantasy leagues. Uh, oh, so. I see. Skin in the game. So, yeah, we got we to gotta make sure he, he puts some points up. So, um, all right. Well, I think that's that's uh, those are those two sections that we had planned. And then uh, I just wanted us to have take a crack at one take home story of why we think the Bears will have the result that they'll have. So I'll start off why I think the Bears will win. I think it comes down to Mac and the defense coming out just absolutely on a tear and giving Trubisky short fields all day. Um, I think this this game is two scores or more. I, I don't think it's actually going to be close. And I think it's going to be led by Mac. And the narrative starts early that this defense is for real and that Chuck Pagano's aggressive nature is going to actually be a bigger asset to this defense than losing a very good defensive coordinator in Vic Fangio. You mean loaded for bear? Mm. <laughs> Did not have that in the notes, but I was waiting for that. There it is. Um, I hope that's the case. That would be fantastic to watch. My um, one reason why the Bears will win um, plays very much into my strengths, and that reason is Ryan Pace. Um, talent wins football games, and this is an extremely talented football team top to bottom. And he is largely responsible for that. I think I saw the stat that he was 43 or 48 of the 53 players currently on the Bears roster came on on Ryan Pace's watch. So this is clearly his team now, as if it hadn't been for a while, but like overwhelmingly his team now. And he is responsible for the vast majority of talent that's going to take the field. And and those players are going to make the plays. The coaches are certainly going to put them in a position to do so. But there's just an overwhelming talent margin. And I think, you know, the result could be very similar to what you're predicting. And it's it's largely based on those guys going out and making plays. And yes, there are marquee players like Mac who absolutely changed the face of the franchise and the and the look and feel of of playing the Bears. And I hope he does come out and light it up. He he certainly has been doing that all offseason, but overall, top to bottom, we talked about special teams, we talked about offense, we talked about defense. It's not one side or one player or one unit. It's this team as a whole is incredibly talented. And I think that just rolls them to a hopefully very convincing win and, and starts to put the narrative to rest that the Bears are for real. They're a very tough out and that they are indeed you know, certainly playoff contenders and, and deep into the playoff contenders. Off the top of your head, who would be the guys that would be from the last regime? It's Fuller, Long, Leno, McManus? Uh, yep. And is there anybody else? I know it's not the running backs because yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we had that stat at camp of who is the, the most tenured running back, and it was pretty surprising. But... um. 
Well, that's four. Four of the yeah, five. Yeah, I'm trying so. to think of anybody else. That, no, Goldman was his pick. Uh, yeah, I don't. Trevathan? Trevathan's come I thought up. Trevathan was his pick as well. Uh, pick up. I yeah, mean, pick up. Yeah. Okay. So, All right. Well, so yeah, not very many is the case, and and we know that turnover is rampant. I mean, the average NFL career is just over three years, so you know, just by numbers, it's it's pretty rampant. But usually, there's there's more of a a core. And Ryan Pace has been here a while now, and he's been quite busy. Um, he's added talent through every avenue available to him, and the end result is. Certainly, if you're just stacking up rosters on paper, the Bear have, Bears have to be in the top five teams in the league just in terms of overall talent at every position. Um, there are not too many other teams that can rival them in terms of just collection of talent. Absolutely. All right, well, let's talk about the beers. Let's do it. Um, why don't you lead off because I'm going to take another sip. All right, well, Bears over beers first that we're sharing the same beer. Bears over mm-hmm. beers first that we're – Indeed. beer that was shared with us by by a listener. So thank you again to Michael. Um, I really like it. I would totally drink this again. But I got to tell you, like, I really do want to do it with ice cream. So I'm oh, that's to, happening. Yeah, that is absolutely have to make sure happening that. in our household. So we'll we'll get back to you, beers over beers listeners, as to how that was. But I imagine it's going to be fantastic if you're somebody that likes um, uh, a mashed up fruit compote or jam or or your you know grandmother's marionberry you know ice cream topping this this is going to taste very similar uh with maybe a little bit more tart and kick to it but it definitely has that tartness to it um if you are a uh, certainly a little bit of a sour berry fan or or like a rhubarb fan i love rhubarb i grew up with rhubarb it's got a, a mm-hmm. bit of a rhubarb kick to it um but again, very well balanced, quite drinkable for being as, uh, let's just call it specialized as it is. It's got that little bit of sourness to it that's that's really nice. Uh, they describe it as kind of a, a sour ghost with you know a, a fruit base, plenty of blackberry, and you can certainly taste the blackberry in it. But very drinkable. I would say it's more of a summer beer. I'm not sure that I would go after it in the winter, but I am ex- super excited to try it as they recommend a la mode over some, some very good vanilla ice cream. I think I'll be picking up some Tillamook as an Oregon state grad you're probably familiar with absolutely till till dairy products which are fantastic yep till mccheese is in my fridge right now and till mc ice cream is fantastic uh, it's a dairy down on coastal coastal part of oregon fantastic stuff and i think i'll just go grab some good quality vanilla and and give it a shot split it with my wife and i think she'll enjoy it too because it is it's it's really really good so thanks again to michael uh for the effort for the suggestion both are fantastic i'm glad we got to share it um i'm glad it was great because uh, you never you never really know but really really tasty beer well crafted and um big props to southern grist brewing they they created something really really special and quite tasty yeah, absolutely. So do you want to get us out of here? Yeah, let's do that. So you can follow Jeff at Gridironborn on Twitter. You can follow me at the Draftsman FB, as in football. Of course, the podcast has its own Twitter handle, at Bears Over Beers, where you can send us more beer recommendations. We would love that as we move into the season. This was a fantastic one um, with fun results. And uh, we'll be posting more stuff there throughout the season. We will be moving up the cadence to once a week, as we have a game every week. And we will even be coming to you in the bye week as well. But we've got a lot of stuff planned. Um, they will be a little bit shorter, and we'll be reacting to the previous game uh, and giving you a game preview for the next game as well. So the format may vary it up a little bit, but we're really excited about it. We couldn't be more excited about the team that Chicago's fielding, having gone to 
to training camp. We feel a little bit more connected to it probably even than ever. And there's just a lot of excitement around this Bears team. So keep it uh, keep it on Bears Over Beers for great beer recommendations, great football, cooler takes, uh, and hopefully a very, very hot start to the season. Uh, we'll see that very soon. And uh, until next time, bear down. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.